Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Our websites are Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com. So I've had an obsession forever about why buying a used vehicle is so much better for your wallet than buying new. There are a lot of people who love New vehicle smell. They want that new vehicle. And and for you, if it works for you financially, that's fine. But for most people, buying used is going to be a much better choice. But there are people who like a vehicle that feels new. And that's why, to me, the compromise has been historically a three-model-year-old vehicle. So right now, that would be 2018s because the 21s, or what are out on dealer lots now. So when you buy a vehicle that's three years old, as a general back-of-the-envelope rule, it will have lost roughly a third of its value, some models substantially more than that, others a little less, but generally about a third of the value has been wiped out in those first three years, even though the life of the vehicle is so long today with vehicles running quarter million miles uh, not at all unusual that's like normal now where it used to be hundred thousand miles pretty much the expected reliable lifespan of a vehicle but vehicles vary a lot in quality and consumer reports has put out a recommended list of by category the most reliable vehicles you can buy depending on size. And I want to start with the most popular part of the vehicle market. And these are the most reliable three-year-old SUVs based on Consumer Reports' deep dive research. And again, these are all 2018s. The Honda CRV, Honda HRV, the Hyundai Kona, the Lexus NX, the Mazda CX-5, and the Toyota Highlander. So if you're interested in an SUV, those particular ones are the most reliable. Now, when we talk about uh, cars, midsize and large cars, the most reliable 18s, the Mazda 6, Toyota Avalon, Toyota Camry, Acura TLX, and Infiniti Q50. 
So people don't buy a lot of cars anymore. They especially don't buy small cars, but I'll tell you the ones that are the most reliable small cars, the Chevy Bolt, the Honda Fit, the Mazda 3, the Toyota Corolla, and the Toyota Prius, and the Toyota Prius C. In addition, the Toyota Prius Prime. Could there be enough Priuses on there? And the Volkswagen Beetle. So um, the only American-owned company that made the list was the Chevy Bolt. But most of these other vehicles are actually manufactured in North America, even if they're owned by, quote-unquote, foreign automakers. But buying a vehicle that's very reliable, starting you're looking at a vehicle that's very reliable, is key but not enough. You want to do two other things. You want to check the VIN to see if the vehicle has been in any major accident in its time of ownership that the VIN research would show. And then the other thing is, as a condition to purchase, you want to have that vehicle checked out by a mechanic of your choosing. I have a more thorough guide to how to pick a used vehicle and what steps you should go through on my used vehicle buying guide at Clark.com. Jim joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jim. Hi, Clark. I think I know how you're going to respond to my question, but I, I want to give it to you anyways. I'm, my wife and I are both 53 right now, currently investing uh, 15% plus of our income. However, we're also committed to helping our children pay off their student loans, and, and their oldest is uh, in the midst of that right now. We're looking to retire within about five years. Just wondering... Uh, what your thoughts are, is there any po- other possible options? Should we just be putting more money to retirement, which I think you're going to say yes, or should we uh, help our kids with their loans right now? Or what, what are your thoughts? So let me ask you, what scholarships are offered in retirement? Yeah, <laughs> gotcha. So, None. So, you know, if you get into retirement and you're doing better than you expected and you can afford to take some of your income you have to spend in retirement and use it to help your kids with their student loans that would be the point at which to do it right but at 53 with a runway of maybe another 10 to 15 years that you're planning to work is it somewhere in there no i'm looking at within five years my wife might continue beyond that wow good for you you're going to be able to bag work at 58 well, I'm not sure, Clark. That's uh, kind of the hopes. Not, okay. Not completely. I'd just like to shift into something different. All right. Do you have access to a pension? Yes. All right. And how much of your income will you replace with the pension? Do you have a sense? Is it half, two-thirds, three-quarters? I'm thinking roughly half. Okay. So, yeah, so you'll need to pick something else up. So mm-hmm. if you five years from now in semi-retirement, feel like you're still doing fine, you're still accumulating money, your wife's still working, and you at that point want to help an adult child with student loans, that would be the appropriate time. Right. This is just the whole thought of paying off loans right now. My children or me, you know, it's just never done that before. So that's right. Hard but, you know, if you were to uh, cut back on what you're saving for retirement, and use that money for your kids' student loans, and then you get into retirement. You know, there's an old expression 
that one parent can take care of 10 children, but 10 children can't take care of one parent. And you could later in retirement, you know, not quite have enough money and your kids could say, gosh, mom and dad should have saved better while they were working. <laughs> they they so get amnesia. Cutting back on what we're putting towards retirement, just any additional that we have would be going to the student loans rather than to retirement. At this point. So what percent are each of you saving for retirement right now? As a couple, we're, we're 15 plus percent. 15%'s great. Have you been a, a diligent saver through your working lifetime or is saving like 15 cents on the dollar a more recent thing? Well, it's gone up over the years. It was it was, you know, 10 10 to 15 mostly throughout the career. So you've got a pretty good nest egg plus that pension. I feel pretty good about it, yep. If you really in your heart of hearts are not worried that you're going to be cash deprived in retirement and you want to put some money towards your kids' loans, I'm not going to stand in the way of that. Right, right. Yeah, it's just, those are about 4 to 5%, and I just don't know if we're looking at a five-year time frame here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get that return on my investment, uh, you know. Well, investment. remember, you're not saving money for four or five years from now. You're saving money for 30 or 40 years from now. True. You know, because it's not the day you retire it's through the years of retirement that that money's got to last. And right. even though you're, you know, you're working and you're physically vital and all that, you know, 30 years from now, you may not be so, and you got to make sure you have enough money for the rest of your life. Correct. So I'll leave it to you to make that call, but your first priority is to save for your own retirement. Deborah's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Deborah. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Very good. <laughs> so how can I be of service, Deborah? Okay. Ohio started in 2020 charging owners of hybrid and electric cars. I call it a penalty fee. Our license tags are going to cost more now because we have a hybrid or an electric. I have a hybrid, and it's $100 extra when I renew my tags, and my hybrid is 10 years old, and I'm wondering, is it worth it to stay with a hybrid? Yeah, because uh, how many miles per gallon are you getting in the hybrid? I don't monitor that as well as some people do. I just checked my display, and it was giving me between 45 and 48, and that's a combination of long distance and local driving. All right, so that's about double the average vehicle. And how many miles do you drive in a year, would you guess? 10 to 12. I'm not a real car person, so... Yeah, you're driving 10,000 to 12,000 miles. That's a significant number of gallons. Even though the $100 fee for a hybrid is a real insult, it is worth it for you to pay that fee. Do you pay that above and beyond, or is it 100 instead of a lower fee for a mere mortal gas car? Oh, no. It's above and beyond. So Okay. So the $100 is way, way more than what your share of motor vehicle tax would be. Correct. And in a typical state, the cost of the foregone gasoline tax for an electric car versus a gas engine is typically somewhere around 80 bucks but the states are passing these laws to protect certain special interests so if you were to charge a 
driver of a hybrid or a driver, particularly of an electric vehicle, a road use fee each year that was equivalent to what they'd be missing in gas tax, that would be even Stephen. But in a lot of states, the fee, particularly for electric vehicles, is being set three times what the actual gas taxes are missing. So it is just a mean-spirited, punitive tax. I but guess it, I feel like I'm pumping gas as kind of as much as my budget allows, and now they're hitting me with this. <laughs> but, but still, if you were having to pay for gasoline for 12,000 miles at half the fuel economy you're getting, you'd be paying a lot more over the course of a year. So okay, good to know. I would, I would just, you got a 10-year-old vehicle, it's working fine. It is. Don't dump it prematurely, just keep driving it. Let Ohio steal the $100 from you and just know that there was some ulterior motive behind it, that it, the fee was set that high and that your members of the Ohio legislative bodies were not looking out for citizens as they should. They were looking out protecting some special interest. Well, thank you for taking time to speak with me. Of course. And it just bugs me so much when members of legislative bodies do things that they run for office saying they're there for the people, but they're really for whoever the special interests are that give them money, that take them out to dinner and all the rest, and there is not any legitimate reason to charge these ultra-high punitive fees because they are not at all equivalent. I have a responsibility to pay for the roads just like anybody else, but I shouldn't be robbed from simply because of the type of vehicle that I choose to drive. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time for Clark.com slash ask. That's when you go post a question and we answer them multiple ways. One, if you check a box, well, you may well end up with me on the show answering your question. Or you may get a chance to talk with a member of Team Clark, a free service of our show since 1993, where we provide free off-the-air advice. Or producer Joel could ask your question for you, and that's what you're going to do right now. That's right. We got one from Tom. He says, how can I get around a 3% upcharge a local car dealer wants to charge on credit card transactions? You've got a tiny sign about the size of a post-it note next to the checkout counter letting you know about the fee. If I pay cash, debit, or check, there's no fee, but it's hard to have that extra cash on hand if the expenses are more than I had planned. Plus, the credit card can allow me to dispute the charge if there's a problem. What do you think, Clark? Yeah, I'm seeing this uh, not a lot, but more and more where retailers are charging the 3% surcharge. And so depending on the circumstance... I have reward cards, so I either pay the 3% extra or I pay cash. In a case where you're worried about 
needing to dispute or you're short of money right then, you're right to pay the 3% extra and just use the credit card. But but it is, you got to understand for the car dealer and for anybody who accepts credit cards, the Visa MasterCard cartel is charging such massive fees to merchants that more and more merchants are saying, let's let the customer decide. If they want to use that card, they pay this. If they don't, they're going to get a better deal, a better price by not using that plastic. Our Clark and Jenny wrote in. She says, what about reverse mortgages? What are the pros and cons and that I should be considering when I'm thinking about them? Well, if you watch the TV ads, they're just the greatest thing ever for you to take out a reverse mortgage. Your house pays you every month. So that's the pitch. And that's the idea. The problem is that reverse mortgages come with massive fees up front. And it's been a big problem around the country that people who do reverse mortgages end up being foreclosed on. So the easy walk in a park that's promised is not really true. But if you are in a position where you're house rich and cash poor, you don't have enough money to live your life, there's nobody you want to inherit that house from you, shopping around and doing a reverse mortgage is a potential alternative. You should go through financial counseling to make sure that it looks like the right choice for you, shop the market, and then do the reverse mortgage, but only as a last option, definitely not a first one, and it's when you're tapped out and you need the income. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you have. Our websites are clark.com and clarkdeals.com. Clark Deals is where you'll find the latest bargains that are available each day leading up to Christmas. And, you know, we're reaching the time this close to Christmas where a lot of people are defaulting to gift cards. And I've always been anti-gift card except in very, very specific circumstances where I don't harsh on the gift cards. I'll tell you briefly what that is is that if you're buying a gift card where you take your real U.S. money and you get additional funds for that particular store or restaurant, that can be a good deal. But if it's just dollar for dollar, that's unusually restrictive where you take, let's say, $25 of U.S. money and buy a $25 gift card. You've taken money that can be used anywhere, and you've turned it into money that can only be used at that particular store or restaurant. Not a good deal. On the other hand, if there's bonus money involved, then you're getting something for putting money on that gift card. So that can be okay, and that's the one circumstance where it can be okay. But this year, even that comes with hazard. Because think how many businesses are teetering on the brink because of coronavirus and how many businesses you know and love who already have gone extinct because of coronavirus. So if you love a place and you want to buy uh, gift cards for that place 
so they have some cash coming in and you're not going to sweat it if they, in spite of their best efforts and you being a generous soul, buying gift card money there so they have some funds to operate on, if in spite of all that they fail, then you're not going to be happy about losing your money, but you'll know it had been in a cause that you believed in. On the other hand, if you're buying gift cards these two weeks for someone on your Christmas list, do you really want to give them a card for a place that uh, may be on the brink of extinction and you've spent your money and they actually got no actual usable gift? I don't think so. So this year, more than most years, if you've run out of time buying uh, your gift list and at the last minute you're like, hey, I'm just going to gift card people. Instead, give them cash. can be used anywhere. Or if you tend to give money to family and friends on PayPal, Venmo, Cash App, something like that, do it that way, and then they have money to use as they wish. Patrick is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Patrick. How you doing? Doing great, Clark. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you. Patrick, tell me how I can be of service to you today. So I'm a recent convert to the Clark Follower team, and I hear a lot that you want us to or you recommend going with the credit union for some or most or all of our baking. And so I've been looking around in Arizona where I live, and all of the local credit unions seem to be um, getting kind of some bad reviews, and there's a lot of complaints around junk fees and, and things of that nature. And I was wondering if there are some, you know, some national credit unions that you recommend, or is am I going to miss out on some of the benefits that a smaller local credit union would provide if I went with one of those? All right. So first things first, I've got to congratulate you. That is so fantastic that you've been doing the kind of research you've been doing. That you've well, been reading online reviews and seeing what people are saying. And I'm terribly disappointed to hear that from what you've seen online, people are disappointed with credit unions they're finding local to you. But usually the best way to find a credit union that people are happy with that would be local is to ask people where you work. Do you work for yourself or do you work at an organization that there are um, lots I work for a small people. company that's, that's headquartered in Florida, so that's not going to provide a, a ton of benefits there. All right. Then I want to give you an online tool where you can see what credit unions are available. That Let's start with what might be available for you in Arizona, and it's yourmoneyfurther.com. Okay. And you'll be able to find a credit union near you. There's a button in the upper right-hand corner. And you just put in your zip code, and you'll see what is available near you. And then you'll be able to eliminate the ones that you've seen the nasty reviews for. Um, As far as national credit unions, there are a number of really, really large credit unions. Many of the largest ones are available generally restricted to people who have served in the U.S. military or do currently or their family members. And did you ever serve in the military? Uh, I did not. Okay. 
So there are some credit unions that are military-related that you can join even as not someone of current or prior service. One of the big ones in the country is Pentagon Federal Credit Union. It's PenFed Credit Union. And they have different uh, ways you can join the credit union by joining uh, military support organizations for very low costs. And then you're eligible for PenFed membership. Okay. And that is a very well-respected large credit union. But the credit unions, generally, the larger ones are, they're, I mean, they're huge national or worldwide organizations. Like Navy Federal Credit Union is all over the globe. And so a completely different kind of feel than you'd have with a local credit union. And are you in the Phoenix Metro or Tucson Metro? Phoenix. Phoenix. So Phoenix has a lot of local credit unions. And I would be really surprised if you didn't find one that when you checked online reviews, people weren't happy with it. It's a pretty active credit union market. Yeah, well, maybe there's another question that I have. So I was focusing on ones that were at close to a billion dollars under management or higher, thinking that that was a good way to gauge that maybe the stability of the credit union. Is that, am I off base on that? or So um, the, the difference you get, not so much stability, the difference you get when you get to a billion is that generally they're going to have more resources to offer the latest in online banking apps and more cutting-edge kind of features than you're going to have with a smaller local credit union. You know, people go with credit unions for different reasons, to get better deals on checking, better deals on savings, or better deals on lending. And those are the two areas people tend to concentrate on. And so I, as a general over, as a true overgeneralization, credit unions tend to fall more as savers credit unions or borrowers credit unions and where they put their biggest emphasis and so really think through why you want that credit union and see what best will meet your needs Susie's with us on the Clark Howard show hi Susie hello Susie you are an entrepreneur you have rental properties how many do you have two and we're living in our intended third Oh, I love this. How's it worked out for you being a landlord? Actually, it's been wonderful. I'm kind of an accidental landlord. After the crash, our first was kind of underwater, and rather than selling it for a loss, we just buckled down and paid it off, and it's been honestly the biggest blessing that is such a great story I'm so excited to be on your show, by the way. Thank you for having me. <laughs> of course, of course. So uh, now you've got two about to become three, and then you'll get a new personal residence, and that'll be your fourth dwelling? Yeah. So how can I be of service? Because it sounds like you got things going great for you. You know what's funny is my mom is like a huge fan of your show. And um, I was asking her about a situation that we have to figure out. Um, I feel empowered after we've paid off one of the rentals and we would like to do either our 
the other rental or the house we're living in now. So what happened was if we put down like an extra amount every month, like an extra 1000 per month, we could pay off either one in four years. And we were trying to decide what would be the best way to do that, either. All right. Well, before you go on with either, I've got to take you through my protocol because I don't want you to have your future based in an unbalanced way just on a real estate portfolio. What are you doing right now to save for retirement in more traditional ways like a retirement plan at work or a Roth IRA? So um, we've got a Vanguard Roth IRA and then we've also got through my employer to put away 6% and there's a match. Actually, it's, no, it's 5%, and there's a 10% match at the employer I'm at now. Really? They match $2 my... for every dollar you put in? Yeah. That's, so that's, that's incredible. Yeah. Okay, then... so the Roth that you're doing with Vanguard, which I'm so glad you're doing, are you putting in six grand into it each year? Oh. Uh, so we're putting in $450 a month right right now. That's and great. Okay. So I just want you to step it up to 500 a month okay. for each of you. And so oh, you're putting <laughs> So you're putting 12 grand away for, you know, per year for you as a couple. 60. Right. And then okay. if you've got extra money, you're doing so many great things. You're obviously living on le- much less than what you make. If you would like yep. to then pay extra on one of the mortgages each month, do that. Whichever one has the higher interest rate would be the one you'd want to put the extra money on. So instead of doing it in four years, it might take you five or six if you make sure you're fully funding the Roth IRAs. But it sounds like you have your financial house so in order and you're putting yourself in a position where you're going to be in great shape and you're doing all this, living on less than what you make, with how many children? Two. So I think this is an important example for other people that here you are, everybody says, oh, I can't do any of that. I'd love to do that, but I have these kids and I love them, but they cost so much money. You're making this all happen with two children in the household. So you should feel really great about that. So continued success to you. But remember, higher priority, fully funding those Roths every year, and then you prepay on one of those mortgages. Ed is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Ed. Hi, Clark. How are you today? Great. Thank you, Ed. You have a question for me about something that I've talked about on the air and we've had a number of questions about. Hit me with it. Oh, yeah. So last week, I found some information about myself online on mylife.com and wanted it removed. So I went to your website and used the first generic email to ask them to remove it. But when I did that, they came back and said that I needed to send them a scanned copy of my driver's license. Right. Freaks uh, you out, so doesn't fo- it? Oh, yeah. That was pretty crazy. So I followed the second email template that you gave that was a little more strongly worded and they came back and said, oh, no worries. We will remove your information. Please allow 24 hours. 
Uh, problem is, it's been probably four additional days at this point, and the information's still there. So, one, wanted to let you know they're asking for people to send in their driver's license, and two, they're still not removing the information. Okay, now their excuse on the non-removal is that they're overwhelmed because of California's okay. new privacy law that gives people in California the right to essentially be forgotten, that websites are still trying to figure out how to implement the law that went into effect two weeks ago and don't have the staff yet or the procedures yet, or uh, maybe because you're not a Californian, they're not really excited about helping you. Right. So I would like for you to be part of our team and keep pursuing this and report back to us on what actually transpires and do they eventually remove your information that you've asked to be made private? Yeah, I'll be happy to help out. But the reality is California has done something really important, and that is we in the United States should have the rights that people do in many other countries, uh, dozens of countries in the world, where a website just can't willy-nilly collect information on you and use it and distribute it and sell it however they want, that you have the right to control the information about you that's out there. And we should have a, a federal law that does just that. And I'm hopeful because the big tech companies are no longer popular in Washington with either political party. And so I hope that there will be new restrictions put in place that will control what Facebook or Google or anybody else does with data mining information about us that we should have the right to control it. But I'd like you to continue to be a guinea pig and let us know how you're able to do with my life removing your information. Yeah, sounds good. And I'll keep you in the loop. Perfect. And the driver's license thing, did I mention why they do that? No, you did not. Okay. So the reason that they and many other sites want a copy of your driver's license is to verify that you really are the individual who's making a request to them. And so that is why many are asking for that. And Kim, you have something to add to that. Yeah, um, I was just going to say, even though they're asking, you don't have to give it. Which I, he did not do. Exactly, which I think is wonderful. But I just wanted to make sure that others know that as well, that if they follow up and ask you to give your driver's license, you don't have to. There's other ways to go about it. And I also wanted to offer the suggestion to call them because that's how I ended up getting myself removed. And it was very simple. And how long did it take before your information was wiped? That is another thing I wanted to add. Thank you for bringing that up. It actually took about 10 days. So I would say sit tight for another week or so, and then if it's still not removed, give them a call. Great. Thank you, Kim. Sure. And Ed, stay in touch with us. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.